Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every month to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode 118. Starting the Hoop Commitment podcast has been a challenging and rewarding journey. I wasn't sure how long it would last, but I learned pretty quickly that producing an episode every week was really stressful and not sustainable on my own. Between finding new guests and doing background work on their area expertise, to recording and editing the show, and finally promoting it on social media and hoopcommitment.com, it was more work than I expected. But I also found that it's way more rewarding. I've connected with so many great mentors and colleagues and learned so many valuable things to help my athletes that it's made the struggle worth it. And today's episode is a great example of this. Bryant Ferrati is the Assistant Director of Sports Performance at the University of Portland and works with their women's basketball program. We've had some awesome battles over the last few years going back and forth during the regular season and WCC tournament championships. And so this podcast was a great excuse to reach out to him and build our friendship. Bryant's mission is to cultivate curiosity through performance coaching, writing, and podcasting. Before joining the Portland Pilots staff, he had experience at Washington State, Kentucky, Iowa, UT Arlington, and the Minnesota Twins. Outside of coaching, Bryant writes a weekly newsletter, The Ferrati Five, where he explores and shares something he's curious about in less than five minutes. He also has a podcast that focuses on health, sport, and lifestyle performance, which is what we're going to dive into today. I had not heard the term lifestyle performance before meeting Bryant, but it makes total sense that our lifestyle habits drive our performance. And so today, I got to pick his brain on how he helps athletes improve the way they eat, sleep, study, and have fun. Here's Bryant Ferrati. Bryant, welcome to the Hoop Commitment Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. It's I'm, I'm pumped to be here. I'm super excited to connect with you. We chat on the phone and I felt like we had an instant connection. First off, your energy is so good. So that makes everyone <laughs> like you. But then we're both strength coaches in the WCC, work with basketball, both have podcasts. So I thought this would be super fun to be able to just connect with you. And the first thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, you have such a positive attitude. You're so complimentary of others. Do you bring that same personality to strength conditioning or do your athletes see a different side of you? That's a good way to start. I would say it's exactly the same. I've described it before as uh, being optimistic. And I talked to the athletes about this is like how motivation is kind of like an, an up and down, right? Like you're not always going to feel motivated and you want to be purposeful and you want to be empowered to to do things versus just like, oh, I'm only going to do that when when I'm motivated. And I've like you can I've said it before. They've heard me probably say it a lot, but it's like you can always watch a YouTube video and get motivated for five minutes. And so that's how I've kind of viewed like positivity, like watch something funny and be positive. But the one thing I really try to bring is just like optimism with the student athletes. I approach it the same way. I always make it a challenge. Like I'm going to be more excited to see them than they are to see me. That's something that I try to bring every single day. And, and on top of that is being consistent. 
that's something that actually one of my student athletes from a few years ago, he kind of pointed it out and put words to it, but his name's Henry Cheney. He was on the baseball team, but it's like never keeping your athletes guessing, you know, like when you were an athlete or I know when I played sports, you'd show up to practice. And if you're guessing what your coaches were going to be like, like you had to spend a little extra energy on that. So I really just pride myself on being consistent. I want them to know what they're going to get. And when they walk in the door, or I see them in the hallway, or I guess I'm that guy when I see them on campus, I'm like, yo, hey. And they're like, oh man, it'll be saying what's up to me, like in front of my friends. Like every dog can wag its tail. So you can say what's up to everybody when they walk by. Yeah, I try to be consistent and bring that every day. Oh, your athletes got to love that. Is that nature or nurture? Were you born with this or is this something that you purposefully learned or were taught? A little bit of both. Like, I think I got that from my parents. They were both high school teachers. Like they both taught for over 30 years at the same high school. And they were always around like working events for sports. And we're always around other people. So connecting with people. And like, I grew up in the high school. I started going to high school before I started going to kindergarten. So just being around other people and connecting with them. And and then I also think like my parents just really fed that curiosity, which I think curiosity and optimism, I think both of those kind of feed each other for me. One, my parents kind of fed the fire, but also I kind of took it and ran with it. And that's not the stereotypical strength coach maybe that we would think of 20, 30 years ago. You know, what I would have a vision of is someone that's really massive, strong, scary, throwing around weight, disciplined, (laughs) stoic, scream at you. And so to see your big smiley face and see you wagging your tail to your athletes around campus doesn't seem like maybe what you would have in mind for a collegiate strength coach. So was that always your vision for how you wanted to be? Or did you have a role model that you saw that you really liked their way of doing it? Honestly, I think a lot of, for me, progression in coaching was just realizing, I guess, like, oh man, not everybody does that. Maybe that's a little bit of a ignorance when I was a younger coach, but I always was pretty offended when people said, they're like, oh, is it raw, raw or whatever. And, and I always took raw, raw as like, oh, you have to like put on an act, you know, like you're like, oh, people are coming. Like I got to drink some coffee and get my mind right. And I think just being genuinely like, I'm going to love you to death. You know, I think that was one big part. Like, I think I learned that from a lot of different coaches, you know, like in anything, whether it's basketball or strength conditioning or anything you're learning, you're going to take bits and pieces from from each person. In in some ways, I know when I was interning, I'd be excited to see the athletes. And yeah, it's exciting to train, but I think there's there's other stuff as well. It was just learning from different coaches and, oh, I really like how they connect with that. Or, oh, I really like how they can really be themselves around the athletes. And that doesn't mean like we're not getting work done. doesn't mean we're not getting after it. But yeah, the rah-rah was like, oh no, rah-rah would be like if I had to like put on an act for you. I want to help the athletes be able to be themselves and help them figure out what that is. You know, a lot of them, it's like when you hear someone say, be you, and you're like, well, I don't even know who I am. So I'm 18 and in college, just as much like the athletes helped me throughout the years, they've helped me figure out who I want to be. I'm just continuing to be a better version of myself. Yeah. I would just say learning from different coaches and from like my time at each university, it's like, okay, I really like that. Oh, okay. That kind of fits. And then you take that, those attributes that you look up to in, in each coach, I guess that combination of coaches makes you, you, if you're taking on the basketball skills, you're like, Oh, I like how MJ does this. And I like how Kobe does that. But I like how Luca has been doing this recently. And it's like, and then that makes you, you, that doesn't make you a Kobe wannabe. I love that. Tell me about your journey to becoming a basketball strength coach, because you've worked with other teams, but I'd love to be able to hear how that process went of when you knew that you wanted to be a strength coach and then how you get to the point where you're at today. So I actually went to central Washington for my first two years of school. And then I really wanted to get involved in in strength conditioning and coaching. And I did think it was really cool. 
is an opportunity to work with all different sports. I know working with one singular sport, it's it's nice because you you can focus on one person. But like I grew up playing baseball and I thought it was really cool instead of just working with baseball, being involved in all these different teams. So at Central, I tried to get involved in strength conditioning. And at the time, they, they didn't really have a set up program for outside of football. And I actually met with a strength coach, Matt Ludwig at the University of Washington. I just like visited and it, I just laughed because I looked back and I came prepped with all these questions and all this stuff. And I remember he told me to like buy like three or four books and I ordered them all and I knew nothing. And he was like, yeah, man, you got to transfer to Washington State. They have a internship program that's really good there. If you want to get involved, that's what you got to do. That was in the summer. And then I transferred in January, halfway through the year. I didn't hear back from the strength coaches. I like didn't have it set up. So I just transferred and I was like, ah, it'll be all right. I'm volunteering. Like they're going to take me on. And if they don't, I'll just keep showing up. And then at some point they'll probably let me into clean or whatever. So that's how I kind of got involved. And then working my way to basketball. Yeah. I think honestly, just throughout my internship experience, whether it was at, that was at Washington State, University of Kentucky, University of Iowa, and then grad school at, at UT Arlington, it was always just I worked with a lot of sports. It would always be like, oh, can I help out? Okay, I'm an intern. I get these respective sports. Can I help out with that one? And just trying to be more involved and be like, I'm there. Like, I might as well help you out, whether that's set up or whatever that may be. And then when I came to the University of Portland, that's when I got my team. So I had women's basketball, I have baseball, men's soccer, and men's cross country and track. So that's where I kind of got to step in. And it's kind of crazy. This is my seventh fall, I think, at the University of Portland, which is crazy. So it's actually been really cool just to be with student athletes their whole career. I mean, you're in the same boat. You've been at Gonzaga for a long time, which is unique. Like, you know, most people just like sport coaches, they do two to three or maybe even a year and they kind of bounce. So move on to the next thing. That's been an incredible experience of, I wouldn't say I'm a basketball strength coach until I got to UP and I got to have that be a part of my identity because I get to practice that every day. Yeah, I love that idea. There's value in being sports specific. And then there's also value in being able to train other sports and see the underlying principles that govern everything. And when we first connected, that was the thing that stood out was you talked about lifestyle performance, which really is the foundation of everything. When you think about if you're a basketball player, soccer, football, baseball, everyone has a lifestyle. And so I'd never heard the term before. And I thought, man, I got to get this guy on my podcast and have him educate everyone, including me on it. So tell me about what is lifestyle performance and why is it so important that you talk with your athletes about it? I guess the core principles of lifestyle performance, this just came from meeting with student athletes. So like I, you've probably experienced it as well, just like a student athlete's like, hey, I don't know what to eat. Can I meet with you? Or they'd be like, hey, could we, we have it. It's called the, the commons or the pilot house where the student athletes get food. And they're like, can you just go with me? I don't know what to pick. And so lifestyle performance kind of came from that because, you know, we get all excited. We have all this sweet training or you're trying to help like sport coaches modify training because it's midterms or it's finals week or the crazy schedule. You got like three or four games in seven days. And then it slowly just became, I was like, wow, I keep talking about the same thing. No matter how much planning we do, student athletes aren't sleeping and they're not eating and taking care of what they do in life. Then it's like, you're walking in with your phone on low battery mode already. Like that thing's popping up. You're like, oh shoot. You start asking your buddy for a charger and it's, but that's what their bodies. So yeah, I think the first part was I just kept writing this stuff out for student athletes on their schedule. So I would print off their schedule and the core principles are sport, sleep, school, fuel, and fun. One more time, it's sport, sleep, school, fuel, and fun. And then 
I just have them write that stuff out. So lifestyle performance is, I call it the wind of what. So that's the first core principle of taking those five. So you don't know what you're going to work on at practice if you don't know when practice is. So it's like, hey, what are we working on today? You're like, well, are we supposed to be there at noon or 7 p.m.? And it's like, well, if you don't know, then like practice is probably not going to go very well. So we started with that. So sitting down with a student athlete, even for the people listening, like you can do this for yourself. So you write out like, when do you have sport? When's your workouts? Like I know from women's basketball here, the girls will come in 20 to 30 minutes before almost every practice. So you write that on your schedule because no offense. And sadly, like you can't change it. You know, it's like, based on even if maybe you wanted it a little later, a little earlier, like we can't change that because of class schedules. And then we have practice and film. So that's your sport. Then we have school. So whether they're grad students, we have some fifth years who they have class from 7 to 10 PM. Those are very different than our freshmen who it's their first time having 15 credits. So they write that out, office hours, maybe any additional things that they have like group projects, which that's always I know tough for student athletes because it's usually one student athlete or two, and then it's three or four normal students who have a way crazier schedule or they're like, why can't you meet? And you're like, well, I got three hours of practice. So basically it's, it's writing those out and then writing in your sleep, which is I always start with working backwards. When are you going to go to bed? And then when do we, so working backwards from that, it's like, okay, if I have early morning workouts, I'll need to wake up at this time. So I need to go to bed at this time, working backwards from the thing that's the most important. And then fuel, you just write in breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack. And you're going to write those in of in a, in a perfect case scenario when you'd want to do those. And then the last part's fun or personal time. And I just want them to, that is just as important. You can't pencil in your fun at the same time as practice. It's like, it's just not going to work. Like maybe we're having fun at practice, but maybe it's like, I know for some of our baseball guys, like they play super smash bros or women's basketball, our girls, like we'll, they'll go out to dinner together or something like that. So you got to pencil that stuff in and, and have a plan of like when you're going to do it. And then that's where we dive more into what. So instead of starting with like, hey, everybody got to eat chicken and broccoli, because we know that's good for you, chicken and rice or whatever that may be. It's like, hey, when do you like eating dinner? Like that's a little bit more important than just telling the athlete what to eat. And then they have more, they have more control over creating the life they want, the schedule they want. I know I've been there where you're just like, oh, just you know what? Just just eat breakfast and eat this. And it's like, just because they know that information, it doesn't mean they're going to... If it's an 8 a.m. practice, like you got a hard time. I bet some culprits are not eating before that. So yeah, I start with the when to what, and then that fits into lifestyle performance, which is going to be just sleep, fuel, energy management, and then really just understanding stress plus rest equals growth. And that's from like Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg's book. So it's like understanding those four and then the when to what, those five that kind of fit into that. Yeah, I know that was kind of a long-winded answer, but really all of that is then you just sit down and you're looking at awareness moments. So it's like, hey, you have maybe the girls train with you at 10 a.m. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. But and then they're they're on court by 1045. The girls want to eat breakfast by nine. And then one of the girls like, oh no, like I kind of slept in. I woke up and ate breakfast at 920. And you're like, okay, that's not bad. It's just an awareness moment. I'm not asking you to be judgmental. And it's like, cool, maybe we can move that up to 905. So then you don't feel like when you get to the weight room, you still have breakfast like loaded up in your stomach. It's just having the athlete student athletes have more awareness moments. Yeah, I feel like I was doing some evals for some student athletes and so many of them, it's like lifestyle performance, like they work hard in the weight room. They just can be improved in that area. And that's going to help them be better in the classroom. It's going to have the college experience. It's going to be way more fun because you're not dragging around trying to just check boxes and survive. That was kind of long-winded, but that I love that stuff. Like we'll meet one-on-one or meet in small groups or, I mean, if you ask any of the student athletes, they're, they've heard me say it. So 
I just keep saying it in different ways. I think it's so important to be able to see how all of those things come together. And traditionally, as a strength coach, you might just think about, hey, I what happens in the weight room is really where I can make an impact. And I love how you're talking about the school and the practice and the sport. And the athletes might not have a whole lot of control over there. You know, they might have to take classes at a certain time, but they have a ton of control over some of those other things, the fueling and the school and the fun. So I'd love to start with the sleep. Tell me about how you're helping athletes with their sleep and how you're dealing with some of the athletes that just have such a crazy schedule that it's hard to get in a solid eight hours. Yeah, I think the first part with sleep is... It's funny because I was thinking about the quote you told me when we connected before this podcast, but it's like, if you know it and you don't do it, then you don't know it. I think it's just, it's first creating awareness around the information because I think it's easy to trick yourself. Like it's easier for me to trick myself to thinking they know. And something that I know I'm guilty of is you get freshmen or you get transfers and you're like, man, I already told you this, but it's like, no, you didn't. You told last year's team, like you got new people. It's their first time hearing it. So I think with the basic stuff, so like, can we be consistent with our wake up and go to bed times? Or are there days where you can sleep in? Cool. Let's do that. I'm not telling you to wake up at 6am every day. Just like, Hey, I know sometimes maybe if you have a roommate, it's kind of tough. So can we turn on background noise? Can we get the room to 67 degrees? Can we make sure like, you're not just like laying in bed. I know that's a big thing with freshmen is like, they'll study in bed, they'll watch Netflix laying in bed, and then they're going to try to go to bed. And it's like, yo, that's not going to fly. Like you can do it. You're going to be tired. And then we're going to have to kind of figure this out. So I think it's just providing some information, but really with the sleep education and for any education, it's cultivating curiosity. I think like my yes moment is when someone's like, yo, I saw this TikTok and it said something about sleep and magnesium. Is that true? I was like, uh, I don't know. Send it to me. And then like, we talk about that at the beginning of weights. It's like, oh, who thinks this is real? Raise your hand. Okay. Or like, we'll draw a line down the middle. We'll do this sometimes where it's like, all right, if you agree, get on this side. If you disagree. And then it's like, okay, why? Real quick. And it's not like we're taking 45 minutes. I think if you can get more curious about it, that's how you can start getting better. Because if you're curious, that means you're interested. Whether that's athletes asking to do an extra work, extra workout or they're like, yo, hey, what should I do for breakfast? If they're asking those questions, just like anything as coaches, you know, like, start hitting people up and asking questions like you're probably going to learn something about it so with the sleep it's education then it's being like okay are you doing what you think you're doing like you said you want to go to bed by 10 30 but like let's look at your screen time or hey did you actually go to bed at 10 30 no i stayed up till 11 30 it's like okay so we're like where are we missing that so then it's just awareness moments from from there and some of the actually some of my cross-country guys they added me to a recently we were comparing today, but they uh, added me in an aura ring group. So that's been pretty funny of who gets the best sleep score. So how you holding up? Oh, they trained this morning and I was like, yo, you guys, did you see the the group? And I crushed it. I got like 87. They're all their resting heart rates are way lower than mine. They're doing way more aerobic work than me. I mean, I'm running, but but they got me beat on the on the resting heart rates. You wrote a really cool article. It was called Action versus Motion. And how only doing the thing is actually doing the thing. And that kind of reminds me of, you know, I would say it as if you know it and you don't do it, you don't know it. You know, when we're talking about sleep or I want to get into nutrition a little bit, sometimes I'll get caught up in studying, man, what's the optimal temperature for the room? 
should I have the blackout curtains? And what's better, the whoop band or the aura ring? And I could almost trick myself into thinking that I'm sleeping and I'm getting benefit out of doing all this research. And then I read your article. Yeah. It was like, man, researching aura rings is not doing the thing. Only doing the thing is doing the thing. So I'd love to have you kind of break that down a little bit and then share maybe how you're helping your athletes with the nutrition and the sleep side of that. Maybe that hits the action versus motion or doing the thing. Maybe both of those hit because I'm just so guilty of the that as well. And it's a, it's a great reminder. Like one of my favorite podcasters, Chris Williamson, he uh, read an essay on his podcast, but it was tweeting about the thing is not doing the thing. You know, there were a bunch of them, you know, tweeting about thing, texting your friend about the thing, whatever, this long list. And it came back to like doing the thing. The only thing doing the thing is doing the thing. James Clear summarized that really well, the author of Atomic Habits, where he talked about this difference between action and motion, where action gets you closer to your desired outcome. And motion is like the planning and the preparation, which some planning is is good. But it's like when we trick ourselves into thinking it's getting us closer, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to look up more facts. And it's like, are you teaching the athletes or is your sleep getting better? Like, are you actually trying to do the thing? And it's like, if you stay up late reading Mac Walker's book or you listen to a Huberman podcast till 1 a.m., it's like, you're not doing the, on sleep. It's like, you're not doing the thing and, and getting high quality sleep. So yeah, I just try to remind myself of that. Like, I know I'm guilty of that with like, like how we both share a love for podcasting. I, I've caught myself recently. I'll write out this list of people I want to hit up who I'm I'm super curious about. I'm like, man, I would love to learn from you. I'd love to have you on the podcast. I'm like, oh, this is like an all-star game. Oh, this all-star lineup of all these people I want on. And then I'll ask myself, I'm like, did you hit anybody up? And it's like, oh shoot. Like I'm getting that, you get that dopamine kick. The I think the easiest example to understand is like when you order a book on Amazon, it doesn't mean you read it, you know, but it feels good. And it's sweet when the Amazon guy knocks on the door and you're like, oh, look at this. You like rip it open, pull it out. You're like, look at this new book I got. And then I think we're all guilty of it. We have this nice little stack of like three to five books. They're like, yo, I'd love to sit down and read those. But then some reason you buy another book and now you got six on the stack. So it's just being, I think using that Amazon book metaphor is a good reminder for myself. I think just being genuine, like I'll tell the athletes that I'm like, yo, I'm so notorious for this. And then they're like, oh, dang, like he experiences it too. And then you talk to them like, hey, you guys keep talking to me about nutrition, but like, are we making progress? So I think it's just sh shining light on that of like, am I doing the thing or am I preparing to do the thing? The podcast is a lot more applicable, but for me right now, uh, but it goes the same thing into lifestyle performance. I love Thich Nhat Hanh. He's one of my mentors. I just love every book he's read. Yeah. He's all about mindfulness and being present. And I'm washing dishes, listening to an audiobook of him. And I'm thinking I'm doing the thing because I'm listening to Thich Nhat Hanh. And he's saying, when you wash dishes, the purpose is to wash the dish. Be there mindfully. And the whole time I'm washing the dishes, I'm not washing the dishes. I'm listening to him. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. that is exactly what you're talking about, which is I love mindfulness and I'll be not mindful at all because I'm studying mindfulness instead of being mindful, instead of being on a walk. And what are you doing while I'm walking? I'm focusing on each step or my breath as I go through. I'm studying yes. about how to be mindful instead of yeah. being mindful. And so yeah, that's, I get caught up in all the time. That's funny. It's like you're on a walk listening to a podcast about walking meditation. And it's like, yo, dude, just take your headphones out. I actually just tweeted about that. I use my Twitter in a way of like, it's more reminders to myself. 
if like other people enjoy it, that's great. But like, I just posted one that's so fitting. You just made me think about this. It was like, be aware it's a trap when you're listening to a podcast because the power of a podcast is you can learn while your eyes are busy. If you're driving, you can learn. And that's one of the most like powerful things about a podcast, which I think is beautiful. You can learn while your eyes are busy. But then at the same time, like I tweeted, is like, don't be listening to a podcast and scrolling through Twitter. Like that doesn't make any sense. That's a reminder to me of like, oh shoot, I'm just looking for cheap dopamine. For some reason, I'm like, I need a hit of dopamine for some reason. Like what's up? Okay. You don't know what's going on in the podcast. And I couldn't tell anyone what I just read on Twitter by doing both at the same time. But I love the walking meditation one. That's yeah. The mindfulness of, of doing dishes is hilarious. One of my good friends is a coach on the women's team and they went to Greece and Croatia for their summer tour. And he's a big podcaster. So we're always like, yeah. we're good for each other, but also bad for each other because he's always like, did he listen to this one? And I'm like, did he yeah. listen to that one? And we have a long list of things to do. Well, he has a whole morning routine where he gets up and does things. So now he's in Greece. He's waking up early before the team to go on his walk and he's listening to a podcast. And he's like, what am I doing? I'm listening to the podcast. I'm somewhere else, but I'm in Greece. Take the earphones out and don't be wherever the podcast is. Be right here and look at all of these hundreds and thousands of years old buildings and places. And yeah, it was just such a friendly reminder that sometimes I get so excited about learning how to live that I forget how to live. So true. I'm right there with you. I'm guilty of that. So tell me about the nutrition side, because this one is really good for me to hear, for parents, coaches that are listening to have athletes that want to be able to make to the next level. I think sometimes we get caught up in what the magazines say or what they see on the internet or on social media about how strict you have to be with nutrition. And man, if you're having a French fry, then you're doing something bad to your body. And I think both of us would agree that food quality is important. But when I heard you speak, you were talking about lifestyle performance in a bigger picture, which is, man, when to what? So mm-hmm. when are you going to eat? Probably going to depends on what a good meal is and what good food quality is. So could you give us a little overview of how you're coaching your athletes and what you're seeing with them as far as nutrition goes? Yeah, I think the first misconception is that some people are doing it perfectly. I think everyone's in the same boat of trying to figure it out and figure out what works for them. And then coming back to that, it's like, I think with the when to what, you first are like, okay, when do you need to eat breakfast in regards to training? So if we're talking about specifically with student athletes, and then it's like, once you know, let's say it's 8 a.m., then for me, we have a nutritionist on staff that the athletes can meet with, which is more like one-on-one. They'll set that up, whether it's through Zoom or they'll meet on campus with them. I'm not necessarily prescribing, like I'm not prescribing anything. It's more just like educational content around, okay, you want to eat breakfast at 8 a.m. What do you think is healthy and what would you actually eat? Give me three examples of that. And then the athletes will write it out. And I'm a pretty big stickler, like, no, don't type it. Or you can type it out in an Excel spreadsheet and then we can go over it. I don't want to say eat eggs and then whatever. And they're like, oh, I don't like eggs and oatmeal. I'm like, okay, well now we're just wasting everybody's time. So I have the athletes write out three options. So they'll write three of their favorite meals that they think is healthy. And then we'll revisit that later. And then they'll write out three lunch and dinner because those are kind of similar. And then they'll write out like two to three snacks. And a snack could be just like a yogurt and like a banana and a protein shake, or maybe it's just like a yogurt, a couple of yogurts or whatever that may be. But I want them to write out what they think is healthy and things that they enjoy. And then that's another conversation of, okay, like, why do you think chicken strips are healthy? Oh, it's because it's chicken. You're like, great, but it's fried. We got to close that gap here and figure out what's up. So 
I think it's helping them identify, identify what they want to eat and what they enjoy versus me just telling them what to eat because yeah, it might work in the short term, do this, but just like in sport, like how many times has a coach been like, do this, do this. And then when you get in the game, like the athlete doesn't, they're not going to look over and be like, tell me when. And the coach is like, do it now. It's like, it's not, that's not going to fly. So I think it's the same approach with fueling. Part of that too is like, hey, do you bring a water bottle to the class? Okay. Can you finish the water bottle? Maybe not now because some of those athletes have those like crazy hydro flasks or some of the girls are walking around with their Stanley cup and it's like clunking around everywhere. And it's like, maybe they're not killing that thing in class, but maybe half of it. And it's like, cool. Can you make it a challenge where you got to refill your water bottle after class in between your two classes? So I approach it that way. And then the next step of that is, okay, we know when we have some rough ideas of what are you doing those things? The last part is just like taking a picture of your food. So I was told like, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not here to grill you. We're here to get better. But if you go to salt and straw three days in a row, like we might be like, yo, why are you hitting up the ice cream spot three days in a row? That's some driving if you got to drive downtown. But yeah, just taking pictures and then putting it in a photo album. And usually I only do that for three days. And if you forget, you forget. That's okay. But having an awareness moment, maybe you forget one meal, but it takes some awareness. I know it does for me, like right before I eat, maybe I'm starving and you're like, hold on. And you get out your phone, which is probably already out. And then you take a picture of your food. And then we just review that because it then it timestamps it. So you know what day, you know what time, what do you think about this choice? Oh, like our team bought pizza one day. It's like, okay, like there's nothing we can do about that. Like you're not going to say no to like a team provided meal. Maybe it's like some random, I don't know, someone's birthday or something, but but for the most part, can we make good decisions? And then from like precision nutrition, they, or we've heard like the 80-20 principle. I think it's also helping provide context around 80-20 because 80-20 is pretty difficult to do. Seven days a week, three meals, plus a couple snacks, like 25 and then whatever. And then 80% of that, it's like you get three cheat meals or whatever. Or not cheat. I don't like calling it that. But you know, you get three misses. Like 80% is pretty high. So I think it's just we're progressively just trying to improve every single time. And that's awareness. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? Yeah, it's not perfect, but I want the student athlete to be a part of the process. That's by asking them, like, what do you guys enjoy? Why do you enjoy that? Oh, like you'd rather eat off campus. Cool. Where do you guys go? And they're just having more conversations around that. The photo food journal has been a game changer for the first however many years I was doing nutrition consults here at GU. I was having yeah. people do stuff on my fitness pal or write it out. And it was amazing how good these food journals were. I'm like, man, they're eating every three to four hours. They got protein, carbs, and fat. They got a bunch of whole foods. I'm like, this is looking pretty good. How am I going to help this person? You know, like it really had me stumped. And then when I moved to, hey, instead of writing it out, take a picture of everything you eat throughout the day. It was amazing how the quality and the timing changed, you know. Cleaning it up with the writing. Oh, yeah. they And they weren't lying. You know, I think in their own mind, they're like, on a perfect day, this is what I would do, someone to write it down. And what I realized is that there's no such day, thing as a perfect day. Oh, man, today was kind of crazy. The norm is not the norm. There's always something that throws a wrench in it. Well, normally I eat at the at the dining center, but it was a friend's birthday, so we all went out to get pizza. Normally I have this snack, but I had a study group. And what you find with the photo journals is you really get the honest feedback of what's happening. And same thing, it's so nice because it's timestamped. Oh, yeah, I have breakfast every morning at 7. But then when you have the timestamp, it's more like 9.30. And instead of having the oatmeal and eggs, you really had the sausage egg McMuffin. And so then it allows you to have those uh, truer conversations. But yeah, that's funny that you do the same thing. Yeah, it's providing awareness of like, are you actually doing what you think you're doing? Because I think that's a, like what you said, there's a little bit of that disconnect where 
you're like, oh man, like I never even realized that, you know, in your mind, you think you're making the best decision, but I don't know. We've all been there. And I think that's another important part of like telling the student athletes, like I'm not perfect. I'm working through it just like you guys, except you got to practice two and a half hours and I just got to get you ready to practice. Tell me about the fun piece of it, because that does not seem like necessarily the role of a strength coach. You know, we know that, hey, we got to encourage them to study and perform well at practice and do all of those things. Of course, the sleep and nutrition seems to fall within our realm. So how are you addressing the fun side when you're seeing athletes that don't have that? How are you encouraging them to explore making that a part of their day? Yeah, I think with the fun, it's more just asking them, like, what are you guys up to this weekend? Or what'd you guys do this past weekend? And then I get kind of fired up when they're like, oh, nothing. I'm like, get out of here. Like, you guys are college students. Like, there's no way. I mean, maybe some of you just laid in bed all weekend. But I think with the fun, it's it's dependent on the individual too, you know? Like, some individuals, they want more, like, time on their own because you're around the team forever, you know? But I, I think it's more just, like, asking what they're interested in. It goes back to curiosity. Like, Wiley, he played soccer at Gonzaga, actually, and then been training with me. He transferred to Portland. We've just been, like, sending podcasts back and forth. I'm not planning out his fun for him. But I'm always like, yo, like, here, I'll send you this podcast. Send it. I'm like, yo, hey, like, what'd you learn? You got to teach me. And I'm sending him stuff like, hey, this looked good, but I haven't listened to it yet. Like the baseball guys, they, they do that as well. Like, we'll, we'll just talk about random topics of something we heard on a podcast or how somebody else built the pyramids. Guys have been doing a deep dive on that. So I think it comes more back to curiosity because I'm not going to dictate what they do. Like maybe some of the guys go golfing or I think it's just more making it a priority to ask them so they know that it's a priority. I mean, they're going to have fun. Like, Hopefully they get good grades and all the other stuff. I think the more important part is designing when you're going to do that. Kind of like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book. So it's like pay yourself first. It's easy, whether it's for coaches in college athletics or entrepreneurs involved in business or college student athletes who have crazy schedules. If, if you don't pay yourself first, and that's not necessarily like investing in the stock market, it's more with your energy. Like if you don't block out when you're going to have fun, someone's probably going to take that time from you. Not like a coach or us or whatever, but it's like someone's going to be like, oh, we have office hours. They're open these times. Can you meet at seven? You're like, yeah, sure. And they're like, dang, that was my one free night where we didn't have practice or something like that. So I think it comes back more to just designing your day and what's your ideal day. When would you want to hang out with your friends? Are you making that a priority? I think if you get better at designing your day, it gets easier, especially when you graduate and then you're not a student athlete and you don't have a guaranteed, like with women's basketball, you got guaranteed 13, 12, 13 friends for four years. And then when you graduate, it's like you got to make more of an effort to have time with those friends. So I think it's not so much I'm dictating what, I guess I'm not encouraging them what to do with their fun, but prioritizing like, hey, you need to have some personal time. It could be anything like playing video games with your friends or, or whatever. But I think it's designing your day and like designing your week and, and making that part a priority to pay yourself first. You seem super intentional with the way that you design your life. I heard you say that every action is a step towards who you want to be. And so how do yeah. you go about helping players figure out who they want to be? I think it's bringing it up in different ways because I can see it. It hits with some teams and it doesn't with others. It's almost like the teacher appears when the student is ready or like that quote. Like I'm not going to bat a thousand with all my student athletes, but I think talking about who do you want to be, not just what do you want to do, whether that's like student athletes, their goal is like, oh, I want to be on the all conference team. Dang, that's a pretty risky goal. You know, you're basically putting your goal into other people's hands and statistics versus 
Your goal could be, I want to be the kind of person who goes and shoots for 30 minutes every day before practice. And that's who you are versus just what you do. I think that part's really important is like, what's your to-be list? I wasn't very good at it in college. I wouldn't say I'm world-class at it right now, but it's something really important to me. And I think when, when student athletes start looking at things like that, it's, it's like the game changes, especially like perfect case scenario. As some of the teams, I'm like, like I've been using this December 15th, which women's basketball, we actually fly out that day to play Stanford. And it is the official first day of winter break, which everybody loves. For sure, everyone will be done with the finals uh, by December 15th. And I was like, what would be perfect case scenario? What kind of person you want to be by December 15th? Okay, how can we work backwards from that? You can fill that in with anything, being a better teammate, being more curious. Maybe it's like calling your parents. I know I'm guilty of that. When I was in college, you're like, man, I'm talking to my parents like a couple of weeks. Like, shoot, I got to get hit them up. I mean, maybe that's changed now, but student athletes hit them up more often. But I really think about it, it's like, what qualities and what attributes do you, do you want? Not just necessarily start. I know that was a big thing for our women's basketball team last year. Uh, we talked about goals and a lot of the girls were like, well, I want to start and it would be great to win the championship. And I was like, well, you know what? Like every team in the entire WCC conference, and actually every team in Division One, Division Two, Division Three probably has that goal. Every single girl. And the surprise, like every guy, too. That's a lot of athletes. They all want to work hard, start, and win a championship. So I started diving into the James Clear stuff. It's really like, who are we becoming? And it goes back to that quote of every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you wish to become. So are your actions in line with who you want to be? And like some of the girls even shared this last year. They were like, just because your goal is to have the highest shooting percentage on the team doesn't make your shooting percentage better. It's the same thing with doing the thing. You know, just because you have these goals doesn't mean you're going to do them. It's the habits, the behaviors, and the decisions you make that more fit into who do you want to be. I think just bringing it up in different ways, that's something I've really pushed myself to try to get better at is as coaches, I know we get stuck on it's like the student athletes. Like I bet the girls could impersonate you pretty well. You think so? They know what you're going to say or like they could do it like easy money. And I know they could do that for me. So I think an, another way to look at it is similar. I heard this on a, a podcast with David Perel, but like the greatest entrepreneurs are, or CEOs or sloganeers. They say the same thing over and over and over again, but in a different way. And it's one, they're trying to share that message, but two, they're trying to refine their message. They're getting reps in different capacities. So I think instead of me like saying every day, hey, who do you want to be? Instead of what do you want to do? Write your to-be list instead of your to-do list. I just try to ask that in different ways. Or I propose like, who do you want to be working backwards from this? Or instead of telling them to be curious, I'm like, yo, did you guys hear about that dude that ran four miles every hour for 108 hours straight? Like the guy ran 450 miles. And everyone's like, what? Where do you see this? I'm like, you didn't see it? Me being genuinely excited about that. Maybe that sprinkles a little like curiosity among the team. And they're like, oh, I got to go look that up. Or, or they, they come with something that is like totally, they're like, yo, did you hear about this? And I'm like, perfect. Like they're getting more curious. And then cool, maybe they get more curious and towards the person they want to become. Yeah, I feel like I could just rant on that for a while. It's, it's something that I think is just really important. It's the coolest part too, is it's going to make you better at your sport. It's not taken away from your sport. What are some of the things that are on your to-be list right now? Who do I want to be? Most recently, I wrote an article about Jesse Itzler, who he is a entrepreneur. He wrote the jingle for the New York Knicks a long time ago. And he started a company with like Marquee Jets, where he could rent out time on private jets. Now he's been popping off on social media, actually. And his, uh, his wife is Sarah Blakely. She's the founder of Spanx. So she's a billionaire. Yeah, Jesse Itzler. Never met him, but he's an incredible human being. And I think it is really cool. His 
sense of urgency with time and planning and taking action, while also his ability to just play the long game is such a unique, like two polar opposites on the spectrum. If one of your friends or coworkers is like, oh yeah, you know, I only play 10 year games. They're not very like urgent. You know, if you're going to do hoop commitment for 10 years, you're not like telling your family, yo, I got to get a podcast out every day, every day. It's like, yo, I got 10 years to pump out episodes. But at the same time, you're relentless on planning those episodes weekly or monthly for hoop commitment. It's like that double-edged sword. And that is something that I really want to embody. That's like someone I want to be like, man, he's really good at doing the thing, taking action, but also like, man, the things he's doing, he's playing the long game. Like Jesse Itzler had this funny thing where he was like, yeah, I know LeBron James and like Steph and Clay Thompson and all those guys are way more athletic, but he he's like, I know they're freaks. He's like, but I could beat them in an ultra marathon because I'm good at doing things for a really long time. And he's like, that's my wheelhouse, doing things for a long time. You can apply that to business and your life. But I, I said, that's, I think that's one thing that I'm really trying to embody and become. That's by doing it. So it's, it's doing a better job of, of planning out my life. And it goes to the same thing, like practicing lifestyle design. Of what's my ideal day? What's my ideal week? Okay. It's Wednesday. Ask why. Why did I make those decisions these past few days? Is that aligned with the person I want to become? I think about it like daily deposits. I saw it from Josh Bonatol on Twitter. But he would always run hill sprints every Sunday and Wednesday, and he'd work out every day. They call it a daily deposit. I've kind of taken that on as well. Like, am I going to invest in my health every day? Am I going to invest in my writing or my podcast? Am I going to invest in my relationships with people? Yeah, I said the Jesse Itzler thing and the daily deposits. The daily deposit contributes to who I want to become. But the Jesse Itzler thing, it's like insane urgency for right now because time is undefeated. And the only way to compete with time is taking action. Because once you take action, then time can't take it away from you. I would say that's like probably my biggest one. You seem really well-read. I'd love to finish off with maybe your top two to five books that I need to read or our listeners need to check. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I actually, I was curious. What about you? Is there anything that like in the regards of like the becoming space, is there anything that you really are like striving to be right now? Well, I love interviewing people and learning from them because I think oh, there's just so many different ways to like, you know, look at life. And so I'm really just genuinely curious about how you see the becoming and how you see the lifestyle performance. You know, I think maybe just my love of Thich Nhat Hanh is almost like maybe not becoming, but just being, you know, because right now I'm in this really cool space for so many years, I was always rich dad, poor dad. How do I grow? How do I build a real estate empire? How do I build a business? You know, how, how do we do all these things? You know, my whole basketball career was how do you become the player I want to be? You know, now I just have this awesome schedule that I really love being a part of Gonzaga and I love uh, the business that I have. I got great business partners. And so all of those things I searched for and was striving for, I have. And then now I have these three awesome kids and a wife. And so, Maybe I still want to become because I, you know, like I have weekly appointments with the friends, people that are really helping me be, become a better father, husband. So maybe they, that is the becoming, but almost like, but I'm already that person. I'm already that person that loves my kids and loves my wife. And so maybe it's just learning new techniques and practicing more of the things that I know that are really important. So I think there's a time and place for the striving. And then maybe right now I'm at this place of like, man, how do I just really enjoy the moment? And not try and be and do more, but sit here with the kids and enjoy it more, you know? A hundred percent. That's, yeah, because it's, I mean, a part of becoming or being is also being present. It's like, 
being present and having a presence. One of my really good friends, Zach Rockford, taught me that and it was, or had shared that recently. But yeah, it's like if you're always becoming someone, you kind of like keep looking out in the future. But a part of it also is like being so present. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. And I, th- I think that's kind of cool. I mean, maybe the pendulum will just keep sw- swinging. You know, I think for so many years it was that. And so maybe it's swinging this other way and it'll probably swing back. And I, and like I said, I, I it's not that I, yeah, I want to want to become a better strength coach. I want to become a better nutritionist. Right now, I'm really passionate about becoming a better singer. I'm, I'm uh, taking yeah, lessons and I love those things. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to pretend like I'm not trying to become, but I think maybe I'm just so excited about trying to learn how to like be you know Hmm. like i I think all those car rides with my kids my home base has always been like how do i put an audiobook on or a podcast so i can listen to the car with the kids and now i'm thinking like i don't get all those car rides back how do i be in a conversation with them and learn about them and have fun with them and my wife is so good at that the difference between a car ride when she's in it versus when she's not in it is amazing when she's in it the kids are full of all these cool stories and laughter and gossip and all this life and then when she's not in it it's definitely a little more music a little more quiet time and so i'm really trying to learn from her like man how do you how do you just capitalize on this moment and um just be with the family so yeah she's genius at it i love that you said that that reminds me of bill perkins he wrote the book die with zero it's about basically like your life is the sum of your experiences but I'll, i'll this part will be quick but it's he said I don't have kids, but I, I really loved this part. And he said, like, car rides are the cheat code to spending time with your kids, especially as they get older when they don't really, when they're like 14, they're like, oh, like, you're not cool anymore. Like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And he would say, like, his, ki- his kids would be like, oh, I'm going to my friend's house. He goes, perfect. I'll give you a ride. Or like, oh, we're doing something with my friends. Uh, I need to get picked up late. He's like, oh, I got you. And it was his cheat code to like, I'm hanging out with you, which I always thought was sweet. So that was cool that you shared that. My friend Jordan, basketball coach, turned me on to that book and it was a game changer for me because it was... Oh, you, you've read it? Oh, yeah. Instead oh. of, you know, like I said, my mindset has been about how do I accumulate? How do I build for the future? And this whole time, my wife has been a great influence. She's like, who cares if we have all this money when the kids are gone? Or, you know, we can't afford the pool right now. We'll get the pool in 10 years. And she's like, we're not going to want a pool in 10 years. We got young kids right now. Let's do it yeah. right now. And so... That book was good eye opener for me of like, yeah, live right now. And so, you know, what we're doing next weekend is we're going down to California to see let's, John Mayer live at the oh, Fold because he's our son's favorite guitarist, our favorite music artist. And so, oh, that's sweet. You know, maybe before that book, I would have said, ah, tickets are too expensive. You know, we've already seen him in concert. There's always a reason not to do it. And then I read that book mm-hmm. and I'm like, what else am I going to spend my money on? And in 30 years, I'm going to be so mad I didn't take my little teenage boy down to see John Mayer. And so we're just doing it. Yeah. Or in 30 years when your son's like, yo, dad, remember when we went to see John Mayer? And oh, then you're going to be like, bang, like that memory <laughs> dividend. You're going to be like, yes, I do remember. Tell me more. And it's like, you can just sit there and soak it in when he's telling the reliving the, the memory. Yeah. yeah. That's like a dream, dream podcast guest right there is Bill Perkins. That I loved that book. So good. Yeah. But I should uh, break it off with a couple, couple must read books. Yeah. So I guess Die with Zero is on there. I think that's uh I think that's a really cool I think that's a, just a really cool perspective that our life is the sum of our experiences. A book that I really it's probably the most gifted book that 
for for me personally is the almanac of naval ravkant naval ravkant's like angel investor he's more so like a philosopher and there's another guy eric jorgensen basically collected all of everything naval has ever said on any podcast or tweeted and consolidated it into like a 250 page book organized it in this way of wealth health and happiness is how the the book is broken down and a part of the book is they're in that order because that's how kind of culture and life forces us to prioritize things, wealth, health, and happiness. And the book basically explains like a deep dive on Naval's perspective on this and then how we should invert it where happiness should be our number one priority. And happiness is like a large umbrella. It's not just like walking around with a pep in your step, but like internal happiness. There's a thing Naval talks about is people want peace of mind, but really what they mean is they want peace from mind. You know, like that the voice is like chatter and chatter, chatter. And it's like you just want peace from that and, and being able to be present. And that is probably one of my most gifted books. Uh, it's hit some people in, in an incredible way. And other people are like, eh, like I don't know, but I don't know how those uh, the people are saying, I don't know. Cause that that was actually a book. I I don't do it as much anymore because having some other books in there, but that book I carried in my backpack for two years, like after I finished it. I would just open because you can open it to any page and just jump in and there's like a snippet. Like another thing they talk about is leverage, which is instead of trading your time one for one, how can you maybe build once and sell twice? Similar to like a podcast, you know, like it's going to take us an hour to record this awesome conversation. But then the cool part is podcasting has infinite leverage. People can listen to this podcast tomorrow or whenever it's posted, and they can also listen to it to a year. Like how I checked out some of your old episodes, like a goal versus a commitment. Like that's it had infinite leverage because you published that episode in 2019. But I would say Die With Zero, Naval Ravkant's book, The Almanac of Naval, are two two of my all-time favorites. Right now, I'm reading Clear Thinking by Shane Parrish, which I think is a really amazing book. I've really enjoyed that. And The Closer, dang, put on the spot. I think Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. That book had a really big impact on me, especially because I read it in 2019, right when it came out, I met Ryan Holiday at Powell's bookstore in Portland, Oregon. He was doing a little book tour. And then two months later, COVID hit and the world kind of shut down. And then I reread the book, especially with like college strength coaches or sport coaches or student athletes or anybody else. You know, everybody's trying to get after it and you go, go, go. You got to do this and you got to do that. Stillness is the key. It's, it's crazy how much better you are when you use stillness. You're like way more efficient, kind of like that Abraham Lincoln quote. You know, it's like if he had eight hours to cut down a tree, he'd spend six hours sharpening the axe. That's a good summary of that book. So I would recommend those. Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday, Clear Thinking by Shane Parrish, the Almanac by Naval Ravkant by Eric Jorgensen, and Die with Zero, Bill Perkins. I love so, it. Okay. We'll have to go around two after I read a couple of those books. I'm off to catch oh, up. Oh, yeah. I'll re- yeah, I can read them again too and we can dive into it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing how you're helping your athletes. Really inspiring. I'd love to hear how our listeners can find out more about you. My Twitter and my Instagram are just Bryant Ferrati. So it's like Kobe, B-R-Y-A-N-T. And then my last name's F-E-R-A-T-E. So it gets messed up all the time, both of them. It's notorious. So, uh, but my last name is Ferrati. It's like karate, but with an F. Yeah, just both those. It's just my full name. And then I, I write a weekly newsletter. Uh, that I email out. It's usually on Sundays and Thursdays. And it's just my full name, bryantferrati.beehive.com, which is B-E-E-H-I-I-V. So that's my weekly newsletter. And then I think I'm the only one in the whole world uh, with my name, Bryant Ferrati. So 
That's the name of my podcast. It's the Brian Ferrati podcast, and you can find it anywhere a podcast is. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, if, if anybody like love this episode or whatever, they feel free to hit me up. I love connecting with people. So thank you for, for having me on. This was cool. It, it was honestly, it's kind of weird talking a lot because <laughs> usually I, I love asking questions and hearing people listen. So you asked me a question. I was like, oh man, opening Pandora's box here and going on a rant. So I just thank you for sharing your time and, and the opportunity to come on here. Like this is pretty, pretty surreal. So uh, well, thanks for your friendship. And yeah, I had the easy job today. I just got to ask the questions and yeah, learned a ton and can't wait till we connect again. Now that's a wrap on episode 118. And I hope you join me next month where I get to interview New York Times bestselling author, health and fitness biohacker, and fellow podcaster, Ben Greenfield. We started our friendship and careers together in the early 2000s, and it's been inspiring following his path over the last 15 years. I don't know anyone more serious about optimizing their health than Ben. And he came on the show to share how we can upgrade our brains and optimize our body so we can live our best life. I got to interview him for an hour on how important sleep and breath work is. And he gives simple, actionable things that we can do today to enhance performance and recovery. For all you players, coaches, and parents, you won't want to miss this one. And to all of you who are committed, well, earn your X.